Hello, everyone. Everybody doing well? <clears throat> Happy Easter. Man, I'm glad you're here. This is our fourth time to do this. We've been having some church. So I'm, I'm glad that y'all are here, man. I'm going to read to you this morning. Oh, i got one thing I want to say. Kurt was talking about signing up for the text, and I want you to know that when you sign up for that, you'll be registered for a free trip to Hawaii. So I'm only kidding. You're not going to Hawaii. So you didn't believe me. You didn't even laugh, man. All right, I'm going to read to you this morning out of uh, Mark chapter 16, starting with verse 1. And uh, let me read a short portion of Scripture to you. Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salmon, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. <clears throat> Excuse me. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone else because they were too frightened. Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed Logan's story this morning. What I want to do this morning is I want to focus your heart on Jesus Christ, and then I want to focus your heart on Logan's story. As I look across this room this morning, here's what I know. Every single one of you have your own story. Every one of you have signposts in your life. Every one of you have had good days. Every one of you have had bad days. We all have a story to tell. We all have a life. And we took just a few minutes this morning to show you Logan's life for a couple of reasons. The Bible says in Revelations that we overcome by two reasons. We overcome because of the blood of the Lamb, and Jesus took care of that this weekend, and we overcome by our testimony. And all a testimony is, is a story. And every single one of you in this room have one. And I want to share just a couple of things about his story and show you some things that God did in his life. The very first thing he said was that he went to Power Kids. Now, he's talking about the Power Kids that was across the street uh, where we used to have Power Kids. Uh, it's not, not since we've moved down to our new building. And he said that building was small. In actuality, it would only hold 80 boys and girls. And, you know, we always joked about Power Kids. You know, the kids would play outside before church, and they run and play, and they get all hot and sweaty. And they would also eat, you know, snacks, and we would sell pickles. And I always said that when we would go in there, it smelled like sweat and pickle juice. <clears throat> and so it always kind of stunk in there. Well, he was in that service. And I love what he says. He says that when the altar call was given by one of our volunteers, he felt a tug on his heart, and he responded to that tug, and he went up front to invite Jesus Christ into his life. And here's what I don't want you to miss. You know, sometimes in church as Christians, we can make things too complicated and too hard, but God has never made it hard. Uh, the volunteers started down talking to the kids. And you know how kids are. I can tell you down the street in Power Kids, when we ask the boys and girls, is there anybody here that would like to invite Jesus into their heart? Every single one of them will raise their hand. 
Not one child keeps their hand down and says, well, I don't want Jesus. Now, I'm not talking 80 kids. Now we're down there and we have 145 kids. If I were to get up on the stage and say, if you want Jesus as your Savior, come forward, every single one of them would get up and come down front. I mean, there wouldn't be any, any way that we could even pray with them or even talk to every one of them. You know, they've done studies that in actuality, the best time to win somebody to Christ is when they're a child. That's one of the reasons why we put so much effort and so much time into children's ministry. So Logan goes up front, and the volunteer stops and says, why are you here? And the child says, well, I came with a friend. Uh, Why are you here? Well, I don't know why I'm here. And when she got to Logan, he said, I want Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to see. At that instant, when he said, I want Jesus, he said two things happened to him. He said, a burden lifted off of him, and peace filled his heart. Now, the volunteer came back and prayed with all of them. And in church, we call it the sinner's prayer, right? It's where you pray a prayer to invite Jesus into your life. I've done it. Probably most of you in this room have done it. We do it in Ground Zero. We do it in Power Kids. We do it in church. But what I want you to see is before she prayed that prayer with him, Jesus had already come into his heart. And it's very powerful that you understand that. All he said was, I want Jesus. Now, listen, Logan is a good young man. Uh, he was a good kid, and he's a good young man, and he's from a good family. Now, why, why are you saying that, Pastor? Because he had a burden in his life, even as a good kid, even from a good family, and that burden's called sin. You see, every one of us outside of Jesus Christ are sinners. The Bible says so. We know the story that when Adam and Eve turned their backs on God and disobeyed, sin came into the world. So even as a young man, there was still that issue of sin. But the moment he said yes to Jesus, that sin lifted off of him. Now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that he was in the kingdom of darkness, but then he stepped into the kingdom of light. Okay, the word that's used in one of the Bible translations is transfer. He was transferred instantly from darkness to light. And then he said a peace came over him. You know, they've recently done a study, and they interviewed uh, American families. And they asked families, what is it you want? in life. And they gave people all kinds of choices. You know, is it houses? Is it cars? Is it a business? Is it more money? All the things that we would like and want. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad things, but they they asked people, what do you want? And here's what they heard more than anything. They heard two things. People said they wanted love and they wanted peace. Well, here's the first thing I want you to know this morning. There's nothing in your life, whether you're young or whether you're old, that can bring peace into your life or bring love into your life like Jesus Christ can. There's things in your life that only Jesus can do. And that's where he found Christ. Now, the second thing that happened to him is he went out here to Cedar Canyon to a retreat. You know, we do our church picnic out there. That's coming up in June. And uh, we're going to go out there and swim and hang out and, and eat. And, you know, it's a beautiful place out there. If you've been there, you know it's like a little oasis in West Texas. Then he went out there and he took time to go to a retreat that we put on. And if you noticed, he said the worship wasn't very good. But he said that the person that preached was amazing. <clears throat> okay, never mind. All right. Amen. But he said something that struck my heart, and I don't want you to miss it. He said, I went out of my way to give God some time. I went out of my way to give God some time. Well, I want to ask you a question this morning. When was the last time you went out of your way to give God some time? Now, I love you, 
and I want to brag on you. I'm glad you're here this Easter Sunday morning. I'm glad that you got up, did whatever it is you needed to do to get yourself and your family here. And as pastor of Tuya Christian Fellowship, listen to me, I'm proud of you. And I'm glad, I believe, you did go out of your way to come this morning. I, I believe that. And so I want to brag on you for being here. But then I want you to notice what else he said. He said, I went out of my way besides Sunday to give God some time. We see here at Tulia Christian Fellowship, we believe in that. That's why we do Ground Zero. That's why we do Power Kids. That's why we load teenagers up in a bus and haul them eight, nine hours down to the hill country. That's why in September we take our men to men's retreat. And as I look across this room, many of you guys have been to men's retreat. We go out of our way to give God some time. Now, here's what it says in James. It says in James that if you'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Now, here's what I've always believed. If you'll take one step toward God, I believe he takes 10 steps towards you. You just take one step toward him, and he'll take 10 steps towards you. Dallas Willard, one of my favorite quotes, and I say it probably all the time, you know it, and that is the more you look for God, the more he's there. So he took time to look for God, and he was there. Then the next thing that he did was he came to Ground Zero. That happens right here every Wednesday night. This is the junior high girl section. This is filled with junior high girls. Then over here is the junior high boy section. Do you all feel the junior high boy anointing? Okay, because there's a certain thing going on over here with the junior high boys. Yeah, and it's full of junior high boys. I come in after the power kid service and sit in the back, and then this is the high school section. Some of you all look kind of old for high school students, Okay. Everybody was in high school once, right? So this is the high school section. But, but here's what happens in Ground Zero. Teenagers are touched and ministered to. You know, we've been doing Ground Zero since 1999. And one of the early criticisms of that ministry, not from y'all, but from some people in the community, one of the early criticisms was, well, if we had games and activities, we'd have a bunch of kids too. And one of the criticisms was, well, you know, y'all don't do anything spiritually in Ground Zero. And there couldn't be anything further from the truth because the service you experienced this morning happens right here every Wednesday night. The music's louder. Uh, if you like louder music, come on Wednesday. Uh, there's more fog. If you like it foggier, there's more fog. But, but listen, teenagers are ministered to, and they sing, and they're given a chance to receive prayer. They come right up here to these aisles. They can line from that wall to that wall wanting prayer. Listen, teenagers have real issues and real things going on in their lives, and some of them are really terrible. And then Kurt preaches always an awesome message. When I said in these services on Wednesday, I always think, Kurt, you need to preach that on Sunday morning because he preaches absolute truth. But here's what happened to Logan. He was touched again. Now, here's the thing. As we walk along in Logan's life and his story and see these, these, these posts, if you will, these road signs, here's one thing that he did. He always said yes. He always said yes. He had an open heart. Then the last thing he talks about was going to camp. And he's right. If you've never been to camp, I can't explain it to you. All right? It's ground zero times 10. What do you mean? Well, imagine 800 to 1,000 teenagers. All right, let me say it again. 800 to 1,000 teenagers. And you put them all, and it's a big room. 
and the music's blasting and it's loud and it's wild and they're singing and they run up front and they get prayer and they get ministered to and lives are absolutely transformed. I'm always amazed what happens at camp. I'm amazed how open teenagers are when you go to camp. It's a lot like men's retreat. You know, men's retreat, there's three or 400 men and the worship and praise is always so good. It's amazing to get three or 400 men together and man, they'll sing, they'll, they'll worship, they'll lift their hands. But then so I don't know what happens to them, guys, but ladies that guys and ladies, you know, they get back to church, and when they stand next to mama, they're kind of still and quiet. So I don't know if that's her fault or your fault, but, but there, there's power in that praise and worship, amen? But now here's what I want you to see. Each one of these, Power Kids, Cedar Canyon, Ground Zero, Discovery Camp, something happened in his life. Now I'm going to read to you First John 5, starting with verse 11. We're going to read two verses. They're going to put it up. Look at what this says. And this is what God has testified He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Verse 12 says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son, God's Son, does not have life. Leave that up for just a minute. I want you to focus on one part of that. I love this phrase. This is one of my favorite verses. It says, whoever has the Son has life. Let me say it to you again. Whoever has the Son has life has life, but who does not have the Son does not have life. Now, I just want to show you three quick things about Logan's story and what happened to him. Here's the very first thing he said in that story. See, he has a cousin named Trinity, and he grew up right here in this church and came to Ground Zero and went to camp, and I rode the bus with him and watched him grow up. Well, he graduated high school, and then he moved to Waco and attended Baylor, and he's graduated from Baylor, and now he's married and has his own children. But his life influenced Logan's family's life. Now, here's what I want you to see. Your life matters. Listen, one of the greatest lies there is, is that I'm not important. I don't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm in church. It doesn't matter if I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter if I do right or wrong. It doesn't matter because nobody else cares, and so why do I care? And listen, there couldn't be a bigger lie than that. Your life matters. Now listen, Trinity was just a normal, everyday teenager, but he had one thing in his life that caused other people to notice, and you know what it was? He had a genuine love for Jesus Christ. Now listen to me real careful here. I don't want you to miss this. I'm not talking about being weird or being a Bible thumper or that you've got to do something that embarrasses you or embarrasses others so they'll know you're a Christian. I don't mean any of that. All I mean is simply this. You love Jesus. And here's what happens. When Trinity was here in these services and worshiping and going to camp, other people were watching him. And you know what I bet? I bet he didn't even know it. Now, here's what I wonder this morning. I wonder who's watching you. I've got a good friend in the ministry, and he told me years ago, he said, people drive by this church every day, and they just pray you're the real deal. They pray this is the real thing, because nobody likes anything that's fake or put on or pretend. They want to make sure it's the real thing. Here's what I want to encourage you, and the first thing in this story is simply this. Can I just encourage you to love Jesus, not be weird, not be something that you don't want to be or something that makes you uncomfortable, but you just decide, I'm going to be in love with Jesus, and here's what will happen. You will impact other people's lives. You see, Trinity impacted Logan, and he impacted his parents, and their lives are different because he said yes to Jesus. Here's the second thing I want you to see. He said that his parents made a decision to bring him to church. You see, my life is different because I went to church. 
My parents took me to church. My mother and father took me to church. And we went to church. My brother and I, we went as a family. And when we went to church, we heard the gospel. And I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. And my life was changed. Then as I grew up and Vicky and I got married. And Vicky and I are young married. We're just kids. Okay, we're like a lot of young couples. We got in trouble early. What do you mean got in trouble? Well, I didn't know how to be married. I didn't know how to be a husband. And, and we, our life kind of became a wreck pretty quick. And I told my wife, I said, well, hey, I know this. We need to go to church. And you know what she said? Well, we ought to stop going to the bars then. Right? And so, and so we made that decision. Now, I know some folks that are still trying to do both, right? Uh, you're still trying to do the bars and church. But we just decided that we were going to leave that lifestyle and, and go to church. And so we went to church, and we went to the first assembly of God that my cousins attended. My grandmother went there. And uh, it was down on Amarillo Boulevard. It's not even there anymore. I think there's a hamburger place there now. And this church looked like the Alamo. I don't know why or how they did it, but it, it was a weird-looking place. But we went to church there. And listen, I can't tell you, I remember the youth pastor preached, and I don't remember what he said. I don't even remember his name, but I do remember this. At the end of the service, he gave an altar call, and he invited you to come up and receive Jesus, and my little wife sat next to me, and we're just kids. She got up out of her chair, she stepped out into the aisle, and she walked down front to say yes to Jesus. She didn't look at me, she didn't ask me, she just got up from where she was, and she went down front. And she said yes to Jesus Christ. And it changed our life. Because you see, then we were both Christians. Then as we grew and got older and had our own children, then we brought our children to church. And because we brought our children to church, their lives were changed. Listen to me. I want to tell you something. I'm proud of you. As I look across this room and I look from this corner all the way to this corner, I see men and women and children and teenagers. Listen to me. I'm glad you're here this morning. Guys, I'm glad you're here with your families. Uh, Ladies, I'm glad you're here with your children. Grandparents, I'm glad you're here. Listen, you'll never be sorry for coming to God's house on Sunday because it changed my life. It changed Vicki and I's life. It changed our children's life, and it will change our grandchildren's lives. Listen, I know lots of people. That have lived with regrets and have regrets. And listen, the blood can take care of any regret that you have. But I don't know anybody that said, Hey, I'm sorry I became a Christian. I'm sorry I went to church. I feel like I love Jesus too much and I've been disappointed. I don't know anybody like that. I don't know anybody like that. Listen, there's life in this place. Jesus hated religion, He loved life. There's life in this place. Here's the last thing I want you to see is it happened right here. What do you mean? I believe Jesus can touch you at home. We've heard lots of stories. I can tell you stories. I know you can tell stories. See, Jesus isn't just for the church house. Jesus is for everyday life, okay? But a lot of what happened to him and what happened to me happened when he attended church, when he went to Ground Zero, when he went to Power Kids, when he went to Cedar Canyon for the retreat, when he went to camp. He came into God's house and he got together with God's people. And when he did, uh, his life was touched and his life was transformed. Now, I just want you to think about your own life this morning. If we did a video of you, now I don't mean a bad video, okay? When I was a kid growing up, you know what I thought? Well, I thought when I died and go to heaven, everybody's going to be standing there and there's going to be a big screen and it's going to be Rusty's movie, right? Okay, and it's not going to say Logan's story. It's going to say Rusty's story, okay? And it's going to show all the things I did, all the things I'm not proud of, all the things I wish nobody knew about. And after that movie's over, they're going to stop it, and then they're going to throw me into hell forever. Okay, I'm not talking about that movie, okay? 
I'm not talking about that movie. I, I don't want you to have any of that on you. What I'm talking about is your walk and your journey with Jesus Christ. Okay, your walk and your journey with Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to ask you a question this morning, then I'm going to get you out of here. And, and here's the question I want to ask this morning, and that is, what are you doing with Jesus? What are you doing with Jesus? Now, immediately, you're here. And as I look across this room, lots of you are Christians already. And so I know you think, oh, we're moving into the altar call. Pastor's going to ask people if they want to ask Jesus into their heart. And you're right, I'm going to ask that in just a minute. But I'm talking to everybody, and so I don't want you to turn me off. Oh, Pastor, I've already done something with Jesus. I received Jesus when I was a kid, or I received Jesus as a teenager. Uh, And so I know you're not talking to me now. No, please don't do that. I'm talking to everybody. I want to ask you, what have you done with Jesus? You see, I remember when I invited Jesus into my heart as a 12-year-old kid. I remember when I did that. And I want you to remember when you did it. But here's what I'm asking. What have you done with Jesus now? What are you doing with Jesus? You see, when I was growing up, I always kind of treated God like a fireman. What do you mean? Well, I only called on him in case of an emergency. Have you ever done that to God before? Yeah, you know, it's like in the old days, they'd have that glass frame in a business or a house or someplace with a little hammer, and it said, break in case of an emergency, and then inside of it was that handle that you pulled to set off the fire alarm. You know, they had those in schools and businesses. You don't see that much anymore, but we only called on the firemen in case of an emergency. One night in Ground Zero across the street, the police all came pulling up, and one of them came inside and said, who called 911? Well, there's 100 kids over there. We didn't know who called 911. We had no idea of knowing who called 911. <clears throat> but no, and you know how kids are. Nobody said it was me. Right? Well, you know what I wanted to do in my life is I wanted my relationship with God not just to be just in case of an emergency. You see, I wanted to move into that place in my life where God was a part of my daily life. So I want to ask you again this morning, what have you done with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? Did you just come to visit him this morning and then you're not going to have anything to do with him the rest of the week? Or is he a part of your daily life? You know, in the tradition I grew up in, they taught us that you have a throne on your heart and that you are on that throne and that when you invite Jesus into your heart to be your Savior, that you get down off that throne and Jesus gets on the throne of your heart. It's called making him your Lord and Savior. And you know, the word Lord means boss. But see, a lot of us have done what I did for a long time in my life. You know, you add on to that throne and you make it a love seat. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, not a love seat for love, a love seat for control. You say, hey, Jesus, I want you in my life. Come right up here and get right on the throne with me. And so I'm sitting right here and Jesus is sitting right here next to me. And I have one hand on the wheel and he has his hand on the wheel. And we kind of make God a consultant. And we don't surrender our lives. We don't surrender our daily lives. We kind of do our own thing and hope God blesses it. You know, I can remember years ago, uh, people would have bumper stickers on their car, and it would say, God is my co-pilot. You know, there's only one problem with that. God's never been a co-pilot. God's only a pilot. What does that mean? That means he's in charge. So I just want to ask you again, what are you doing with Jesus? What are you doing with Jesus? Is he involved in your daily life? Have you cut that part of that throne off and only made room for one and you've stepped down off of it and you've allowed him to take control of your daily life? All right, and then I believe there are some of you here this morning, maybe you're not a Christian, 
And if you are a Christian, probably every one of you in this room, can you remember where you were when you invited Christ into your life? Can you remember who you were with? Can you remember maybe you were at a youth camp? Maybe you were at your grandmother's house? Maybe you, I don't know. But can you remember where you were when you said yes to Jesus? See, Logan remembers where he was when he said yes to Jesus. He was right across the street. I remember where I was when I said yes to Jesus. Now, my question is this. Well, Pastor, I don't know that I remember. All I know is maybe I've, I think I've always been a Christian. Well, you know what I'd say to that? Maybe you're not a Christian at all. But see, you don't become a Christian accidentally. You're not a Christian because of your grandmother. Y'all know God doesn't have any grandkids, right? What does that mean, Pastor? Well, he only has children. You see, my grandmother was a mighty woman of God, but it didn't make me a Christian. And you see, I wasn't going to stand before God someday and say, hey, my grandmother was a Christian. And he's going to say, yeah, but you weren't. So you see, you have to decide. Now, I'm talking to two groups this morning. I'm talking to that group that I'm asking you again, what have you done with Jesus? Where have you placed him in your life? Is he just on a list? And then I'm talking to those of you that maybe you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Hey, I don't know when I asked Jesus into my heart. Well, then probably today would be a good day to do it. Now, you've got three choices. Okay, here's choice number one. Jesus is a liar. He's a liar. He's not who he says he is. He's not the son of God. He's a fraud. And that's choice number one. Choice number two is he's a lunatic. That's what the Pharisees said, right? They said they, they says that they pulled and tore their clothes because he's a blasphemer. He's crazy. This guy thinks he's the son of God. And we all know he's not the son of God. That's why they killed him. That's why they crucified him. Because their choice was lunatic. So he's either a liar or he's a lunatic. Or number three, he's Lord. You know, I always wonder, I've wondered what Herod thought the moment he died. And he was standing in front of Jesus. The Roman soldier that drove the spikes into his hand. The one that pulled his beard out. The one that put the crown on his head. I wonder, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to be judgmental or hateful or anything. Okay, because if I was God, I would have said, yeah, baby. Right? Yeah, if I was God, I'd have been like, yeah, huh, now you know where you're going. But thank God God's not like me, amen? All right, but I wonder what they thought when they realized they'd made the wrong choice. You know, you know what I know? Now, Jesus may not matter today, and, and, I, and I'm just saying that facetiously. Jesus may not matter today, but there's coming a day when he's the only thing that's going to matter. You see, that's already happened to Herod. It's already happened to Pilate. And everybody in this room, it's going to happen to us. This day's going to come that he's the only thing that matters. So we're about to close and get you out of here. But I just want to, I want you to just do something with me. Would you mind closing your eyes? And don't do it. We're not doing it to be weird or to be spiritual or religious. We're just doing it for privacy. What I'd like for you to do is close your eyes, and then I want you to look inside your heart. And as you look inside your own heart, so you're not worried about the person next to you. You're not thinking about the person that's not here. I want you to think about you and your heart. And as you look in your heart, I want you to ask yourself this question. What have I been doing with Jesus? 
what have I been doing with Jesus? And you're here and you may say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. I've invited Jesus into my life just like you and Logan have. But frankly, my life's been kind of cold and I need to throw some fresh wood on the fire. I need to kind of kindle my relationship with God. I need to do just what you said. I need to draw near to him. Well, in just a minute, I'm going to give you a chance to pray. But I just want to ask you to do something for me this morning. If you're here and you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I I need to kindle the fire in my heart. I've drifted, but I want to come back with your eyes closed and nobody looking around. And you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for God. Would you just slip your hand up so Jesus could see it? You say, Jesus, that's me. Jesus, that's me. I see those hands. Amen. Jesus, that's me. I want something different this Easter. As I move forward, I want something different. All right, now you're here and you may say, hey, I don't remember when I asked Jesus into my heart. I don't know if I'm a Christian, but I'd like to take care of it today. Well, this is a great time to do it. There's never a better time to get saved than on Easter. You say, Pastor, that's me with your eyes closed. Would you just lift your hand up so I can see it? I mean, I see those hands all across the room. You want to make it right with Jesus. Okay, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Now, I believe as you said yes to Jesus, it's already happened, just like it did with Logan. When you raised your hand and said, Jesus, I want you, he came, and I believe you're experiencing that peace right now, right where you're seated. You feel it. But I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you would, if you wouldn't mind, just pray it with me. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming to the earth for me, for hanging on the cross, dying, being raised from the dead. Not because of your sin, but because of mine. Jesus, I want you. Just like Logan wanted you, I want you. Come into my life, Jesus. Rekindle the fire in my heart. I say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, would you look at me, please? I want to ask you one favor. All right, if you raised your hand and said, I need more of God in my life, if you raised your hand and said, I need Jesus, I want you to do something for me. Today, please tell somebody. You may be with somebody right now. Somebody may have invited you. You may have come with family. But when you leave this building and you go out and get in the car to go home or to go to eat, I want you to please just say, hey, I raised my hand this morning. Hey, I prayed that prayer this morning. Hey, I invited Jesus into my life. Hey, I want more in my life than I've had. See, it's important that you say something to somebody. See, there's no undercover Christians. They don't exist. And when you tell somebody, here's what it does. It keeps darkness from telling you, oh, nothing happened, nothing changed, because something did happen and something did change, please, please, please today tell somebody, hey, I prayed. I prayed and something happened to me today. Amen? All right, y'all stand up, man. Praise God.